Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey from LA, you guys. I am out here for the Thanksgiving holiday. And so in lieu of a new episode this week, I am sharing a live show that I did at my alma mater, Barnard College, earlier this fall. I've held on to the audio for just this occasion. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, It was incredibly special for me to be back at my school. Uh, It was even more special that um, by total chance, my parents happened to be in town for business and they were able to come see me in action. And so you'll hear them. Um, I hope also that you guys had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Um, as I said, I'm out here in LA to celebrate with my best friend and his husband and my other best friend is here. And my dog nephew is sitting next to me. He was barking up a storm right before I started recording this but now he's chosen to behave. Um, Lots to be thankful for this year. I hope you guys feel the same and I will catch you all in December. I hope you enjoy the live show. Well, hello and welcome to Ask a Clean Person, the podcast at Barnard. I'm like so like overcome to be here. This is amazing. Thank you guys all so much for coming. Um, A little bit about me before we get started. Uh, The most important thing about me is that I'm a Barnard graduate. Um, It will. Thank you. (laughs) And it will and it will become I like that you just did the sorority snaps. I was also in a sorority here. Um, It will also become the most important thing about all of you guys. This is such an incredibly special place, which you already know. But when you leave this place, you're going to look back and realize that it's even more special than you know right now. Um, And one thing I wanna say about this place is that it is always here for you, both as a physical place and as a place that you draw on. I find that when I get uh, overwhelmed by things that that I fear, right? fear I can't do, fear I'll fail at, fear fear of the unknown, uh, I often remind myself that I can handle it because I went to Barnard. So, duh, of course I can handle it. So that's my little pep talk about how special this place is. Uh, The other things you should know about me uh, is that I have the greatest job in the world. It is also the weirdest job in the world. I am a cleaning expert. Uh, I am not a, a cleaning person. I don't actually uh, do, do my job by going into other people's homes or, or residences or businesses and, and do my job. I give cleaning advice. Um, right now, I prom- primarily give cleaning advice in two places. Uh, the first is on my podcast, which is this is an episode of my podcast. It's a live show. Um, it's called Ask a Clean Person, the podcast. Ask a Clean Person is the name of a column that I started about seven and change years ago now. Um, people would write questions into me 
and I would answer them and I'm the clean person. Uh, the other place where I primarily do this job is um, in a little lo local newspaper you may have heard of called the New York Times. I had a funny realization when I was preparing for this show yesterday. Um, as I've mentioned to you guys when we were kind of warming up, my parents um, are here in the city uh, unexpectedly. My dad had to be here for business, and they are supposed to be here at this show, but they're running late, uh, which is par for the course for my parents. Um, but I realized that the last time that we were all together here was on my graduation day. And more importantly, that the speaker at that graduation was an editor at the New York Times. And it would not have occurred to me in a million years that 20 years, <laughs> 20 years, 20, it really has been 20 years, I graduated in 98, um, that 20 years later I would be here as a writer for the New York Times. It was just not part of what I had considered for myself, um, which I think also is part of the magic that happens here, that you go out into the world and you find yourself on these, these wild paths. Um, and, sorry, we have someone coming in late, which is fine. Um, and one of the great things about being at this school is that it teaches you a certain amount of fearlessness. It teaches you fearlessness because you, you come to New York City when you're pretty young and you have to navigate and negotiate the city. You also are coming into a very like intense academic environment that is also a very supportive one. Um, and so I just thought it was such an incredible um, sort, of, sort of closing of the circle for me uh, to come back here 20 years later and, and, and be the New York Times lady. Um, it's very exciting. We are not really going to be here to talk about the New York Times. Of course, if you guys have questions about that, I'm happy to answer. We're really here to talk about cleaning, which is my jam. Uh, I always say of my job, it is way, way, way more fun than it has any right to be. The reason for that is not because cleaning is so much fun, but because the stories that go behind the messes that people make are hilarious. Messes are very funny when they're happening to anyone who isn't you. Uh, and so I say that to tell you a story about a mess that happened to me at Barnard uh, as a lead-in to answering a lot of your questions, which you guys have submitted in writing. But I also really encourage everyone in the room to raise their hand and ask me questions. We do have a mic for that. So here is my horror story. Do any of you guys live in 600 West 116th? You may not want to live there after you hear this story. I won't tell you which, which apartment it happened in so that you, you won't have to worry about uh, getting your housing lottery number and being like, oh my God, that was the, that was the apartment with the tub. Um, so when I was a sophomore, a group of girls, uh, it was six of us living in one of those suites in 600. And we had an old clawfoot bathtub with a shower head. And at some point in the year, the tub drain clogged. And none of us did anything about it. And the clog got worse and got worse and got worse until the water wasn't draining. And we were bathing in shin-deep, dirty Run, shower runoff water from six girls. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't do something about that. Like, the answer is Drano. We're obviously smart enough to have gotten into Barnard, but we didn't figure that out, and we just, like, suffered through it. As a result, I still to this day have a fear of standing water. Like, like all standing water just, like, just it triggers that horrible memory of bathing in this disgusting, like, 
shampoo sludge water. It was so, so, so gross. One of the roommates did eventually do something about it. And I don't know what she did. I don't know if she got Drano. I think that's probably what she did. Oh, my parents are here. Hi, Mommy and Daddy. <laughs> uh, have, have a seat. Uh, I'm telling this story about the clogged bathtub in 600. Yeah. <laughs> See, they remember. Uh, <laughs> in any event, one of the roommates, it was not actually me, uh, one of the roommates went and, um, and did something about it. I think it was that she got drained or she may have gotten a plunger. I tell you that to tell you that I was not, while, while I've always been a clean person, I have suffered many moments of being a disgusting person. That was one of them. <laughs> but also to tell you that if you have a clogged drain situation, uh, Drano is very good stuff. And a plunger also works. If we had, I, mean, we, I certainly would have had a plunger. Uh, you can plunge a drain. I didn't know that until uh, Bob Vila of this old house fame taught me that. <laughs> I was researching something. So anyway, that that's um, that's a personal story that I wanted to tell just to let you guys know that like college students get into all kinds of gross stuff. I still carry the scars of that uh, with me to this day. I do have another story about that same group of roommates. Believe it or not, after the tub, we stayed together. Uh, we actually, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, we stayed together um, until we graduated, actually. Um, and we just kept moving down the block and making subsequently weirder messes. Uh, when we lived in 616, there was an incident involving dishes that were not getting done. And we have, uh, I think that I have the list of questions here, right? Because that was one of the questions. Um, so I wanted to use that as a seg into answering the first uh, question that we got, which is a very typical college question, right? And, and then past college, too. How would she, she meaning me, how would she handle slash keep things civil with a messy roommate, e.g. someone who never does their dishes? So it's tricky because you can't make someone do something just because you want them to. And oftentimes when you're talking about a roommate, the, the instinct is to say, do your dishes. How can you not be doing your dishes? But before you take that approach, there are two things to think about. The first is that, generally speaking, when you want to talk to someone um, about any kind of behavior that they're engaging in that feels like an awkward or confrontational issue for you, is to try to adopt as neutral a tone as you can. And if that means that you have to go stand in front of your mirror and talk yourself off of the ledge about how angry you are that your roommate isn't doing their dishes, that may be it. Because really, the issue may not be that they're not doing the dishes to spite you. It may be that they don't even think of it as a big deal to not do their dishes. They may have grown up in a home where leaving dishes in the sink was the norm. And so to them, that's the norm. And what is the norm to you may not be the norm for your roommate. Part of the experience of coming to college is learning how to coexist with others who are different from you. And we usually think of that as different race, different sexuality, different ages, things like that. But the standards of living are a very different thing that we all have with one another. And it is okay to have different standards of living. 
it is also okay to speak to someone about how you can find a compromise in those, in those differences of standards. But the best way to do it is to adopt a neutral tone. Because if you don't adopt a neutral tone, the person is going to go on the defensive and you're never going to get anywhere. The other thing to consider is that they may not know how to do dishes, which sounds wild, right? Like, who don't know how to do dishes? Well, people don't know how to do dishes. So it may honestly just be that they don't realize that the dishes have to be done. They don't realize that the dishes need to be done in a certain way, that there are issues with not doing the dishes, i.e. it might be attracting vermin. It may be that then you can't use the dishes if they're dirty. Um, it's good to come armed with a few concrete examples of why something should get done. But again, keep that neutral tone and not turn it into a confrontation where it doesn't need to be turned into a confrontation, which leads me to this story, and I promise you this was not me. You're going to know it's not me when you hear the story. When we were juniors, we moved down the street to 616, as I said. <clears throat> and one of my roommates, her name was Kate, Kate had a habit of making cheese toast in the toaster oven and not cleaning the toaster oven tray. And this drove our other roommate, Allison, crazy. Allison just was fit to be tied every time the toaster oven tray wasn't clean and there were little bits of craft sliced cheese on it and crumbs and it just made her wild. And all, all year, she, Allison had been trying to implement this program by which if your dishes weren't done in X number of minutes, hours, days, whatever. It was. Allison was pre-med, by the way, just as an aside. Uh, she's a little bit type A. Um, that your dishes, your dirty dishes, would then be placed on your pillow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I would not recommend that, and I wouldn't recommend it for the reason that I'm about to tell you. The problem was, is that Allison never got buy-in from all the rest of them. Remember, there were six, well, by that point, there were five of us. Someone, oh, someone left, Barnard, actually, uh, which was a big, big mistake on her part. Don't leave. <laughs> um, so by then, there were five of us. So Allison, in her mind, had established this as a rule, but the problem was that the other four of us had never agreed to this. She would just babble at us about how this was the genius solution, and we'd be like, no, Al, like, no, we're not, we're not going to do that, and I'm going out. Bye. Um, but in her mind, this was the rule. And so one night, she finally had enough of Kate and the toaster oven tray with the cheese and the crumbs. And she put the toaster oven tray on Kate's pillow. Kate, rightfully so, went ballistic at Allison. Just absolutely ballistic at Allison. And she was right to have done so because Allison was enforcing a set of rules that literally no one had agreed to. If Allison had just gone to Kate in a neutral tone and said, hey, can you make sure that you clean the toaster oven tray after you use it? Because when you don't clean it, the cheese stays on there. And then when I go to use it, it burns and it smells and the fire, fire alarm goes off. Kate would have washed the thing. Instead, Allison escalated it to, to, to the nth degree. And, you know, 
violating someone's pillow is like a whole don't do that I had a freshman roommate whose friend just like had an instant disliking to me and used to come in and put her feet on my pillow I came home (laughs) I also went ballistic over that uh so there are some times when you have to like you know lay down the law get your feet off my pillow um so yeah, I think that, that that example of Kate and Allison uh, is, is a good one of what not to do and how, how needless it was. And they had a huge fight and it was drama and a whole thing. Um, what, one last story as we moved down the block, we ended up our last year, we were in 620. We had a great suite. And uh, Allison, <laughs> Allison, uh, Allison's boyfriend was over and we were all good friends and we were hanging out one night and I was teasing him about something and he uh, decided uh, in retaliation for me teasing him that he was going to unleash the fire extinguisher on my room. Don't do that. He, he in his defense, he just thought it was going to spray like a little bit. My whole room was covered in I, like, I don't know if it's like asbestos. Like, I don't know what it was. It was not good. I probably should not have been sleeping with it. It was like a whole disaster. So uh, don't, don't play around with the fire extinguishers. It's my last, my last story from that, that series of, uh, of disasters living in those dorms. Um, we have uh, a few other questions that you guys submitted. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find one that's... Um, that's a, that's a good college one. Oh, this is a good one. We take out our kitchen trash at least once a week, but it always seems to get super smelly again so fast. And whenever we open the can, even when it's barely full, the whole kitchen starts sinking. How should I stop this? Um, I love Lysol. Good old Lysol, the spray disinfectant stuff, is great. It's great in a trash can because you can just, like, kind of blast it. I suspect, though, what's happening in that trash can is that the trash can itself needs to be cleaned out, which is a thing you can do. Sounds crazy to clean the trash can um but indeed it probably just does need a good scrubbing and then um you know hopefully the the problem goes away and you're taking your trash out regularly and and it and it ends um but the Lysol is very good that also leads me to one other thing I brought props um excuse my incredibly tatty uh very favorite beloved tote bag um this stuff osium excellent at odor elimination and I'm going to tell you that I learned this while researching odor eliminators I ended up on a a marijuana enthusiast forum (laughs) this is a very good place to go if you're looking for odor odor removal tips Uh, not that any of you would need this particular tip but osium is like the capital T capital T the thing for getting all kinds of smoke smells out of rooms. But it's also just great for like strong cooking odors. This would also definitely work in that trash can. So I brought the can so you guys could see it. I was very excited uh, that the Dwayne Reed in my neighborhood just started selling this stuff. It used to be that it was actually pretty hard to find. Um, but Dwayne Reed is selling it. So I would assume that the, there is a Dwayne Reed up here, right? Yeah. Um, that the Dwayne Reed up here probably has it too. Very, very, very good stuff. And just good for like a stale smelling dorm room which happens good for like if you um if you get sick in your room and like if you you know like you throw up in your trash can um and then the room's kind of has is retaining that I know it's disgusting but like it you know vomit happens um and especially happens in college um so I mention it 
Uh, very, very good stuff. I do love the OZM. Um, do we have any audience questions? I know that there was one person who had, was teeing up a question. Daddy, not you. <laughs> he has one, one male in the room and he takes over. <laughs> okay. So you have like a liner for your liner. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Daddy. I <laughs> you can you can go across the streets of Columbia. <laughs> um, no, you can you can stay here. You can stay here. See, you did go to an okay place, Daddy. Yes, he did. Did he? He he went to Cornell, so we have to be nice about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I get my hamminess from somewhere. I will just say that. Uh, all right. I know that I had someone who had a question. Yes. Um, wait. Did we? Did we have a second mic for questions? Okay. I'll. Can you tell me how often I should change the bed sheets? I can. So I t I teed her up for this one, right? She it was a real question she had, but she was she was asking in advance, uh, and I was like, I'm gonna make you wait. And one ask that in front of everyone because I want to encourage the rest of you to ask questions. Um, but also because I want to say that there is an answer for humans and there's an answer for college students. As I'm very fond of saying, I live here in the real world with all of you, and I know that there is just an absolute difference between the behavior, especially vis-a-vis -vis cleaning, that the college students are going to engage in and what all the rest of us post, well, actually, like, maybe even post-30, because uh, you get a little bit of a, a grace period <laughs> in, in, your, in your early 20s post-college uh, where you can, you can still be a little bit, you know, iffy on the cleaning. So the, uh, the, the human answer is uh, once a week or once every other week. Both are fine. People have differences. I change mine every week, but that's partly because I'm me. Uh, that's also mostly because I love fresh sheet day. Like, fresh sheet day is the best day of the week, absolutely. Um, but also, there are all kinds of factors that go into whether or not you're going to change your sheets once a week or once every other week. Uh, things like, do you share your bed? Do you sleep naked? Are you a hot sleeper? Do you sweat a lot in your sleep? Um, Trying to think of some other, those are probably pretty much, oh, multiple sexual partners. Yeah, probably not a bad idea to be changing the sheets in between sexual partners. Um, you, you don't have to and you don't, I won't tell them. Um, but those are all the kinds of things that you want to take into account when you think about how often to change your sheets. So really good rule of thumb is once a week, once every other week. If you're, if you're pushing it out to once a month, that's like iffy. You know, and the thing is, is that really you're robbing yourself of the fresh sheet feeling is the is the big jam with this one. Um, anything after a month, you're getting into pretty dicey territory in terms of the fact that the sheets are truly dirty. They probably also smell. Um, and that probably makes the rest of your room smell in a way that you might not be aware of, but that someone else could definitely smell. Um, now for college students. I have uh, zero recollection of washing my sheets in college. 
I know I did it. I know I did it because I'm me, and I still want, I mean, the, the bath water notwithstanding. I was pretty clean in college, um, and so I definitely know that I did it, but I have zero recollection of it. And so I say that to, to also illustrate that I really do live here in the real world. Once a month, yeah, fine, sure, why not? We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. That's really good. I also want to say this because this is important. We're coming up on flu season. First of all, get your flu shots. Um, that's not a clean thing. That's just a, like being a, being a productive and cooperative member of society thing. Um, so get your flu shot. But also, if you get sick when you've recovered, wash your sheets. I have so many friends. And like these are people who know me and what I do who come to me and they're like, God, you know, I've had the same cold for weeks and I just like, I start to feel better and then I get it again. And I'm like, well, did you, have you washed your sheets? And they're like, no, why would I do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. Cause you've been like sniffling your cold germs into that same pillowcase for God knows how long. That's why you're getting sick again. You're just making yourself sick. So if you have gotten sick, if you've gotten just a run of the milk cold, anything like that, um, got, you know, the flu. I hope, I hope none of you get the flu because it's so, 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 so debilitating. Um, definitely wash your sheets when you're ready. One other thing to mention is that pillowcases don't take up a lot of room in, um, in a dorm room in storage and in laundry. And they're a very easy thing to change. So if you don't have it, you know, if you're still sick and like this is something that's been lingering and you don't have it in you to, to wash all your sheets, just putting fresh pillowcases on is going to go a long way in helping um, to keep you from giving yourself that cold back and forth. Because, again, your face uh, isn't going to be breathing in all those those germs. Yeah. So, any, yes, we have a question. Oh, here, let me bring the mic over. Same question for bath towels. Oh, bath towels. This is a, this is a good one. Um, yeah, again, the answer for college students is definitely going to be different. Um the rule of thumb is once every uh, three to four uses, not three to four days, because some people shower multiple times a day. Some people don't shower every day. So if you don't shower every day, then you probably can get one bath towel in a week, right? Three, if you shower every other day, three showers. On Sunday, you wash, you know. There you go. Uh, if you're if you're like me, I tend tend to shower twice a day. I run through my towels pretty much every other day, yeah, and then wash them. Uh, college students, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about this this one. Um, I would say if you use your towel for a week and then and then wash it, that's fine, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to wash it once a week. You you probably came to college with more than one towel, so like. If you have two towels in your dorm room, does that sound about right? Is this, I'm, yeah, okay, everyone's nodding, okay. Uh, so yeah, like you have two towels, so like, yeah, maybe you're doing laundry twice a month and you're washing both your towels, you know, every other week. And then you throw all your pillowcases in with them. Um, one thing actually to mention about laundry stuff and towels specifically is that you should wash your towels separate of any of your clothing that has stretch in it because the lint from the towels will get like stuck to the elastic and create those like little like white pill things um and then that will look very unattractive your your yoga pants will be you know mar marred with white pills we can't have that um so yeah uh anything particularly linty fleece 
blankies, towels. Those should all get wa- like fabrics get washed together is kind of the the thing. Like it used it used to be that like colors got washed together, but now that like pretty much everything can get washed on cold and shout color catchers exist, you don't have to worry so much about the separating color stuff. You want to think more about separating my material. Laundry has changed. It's evolved. It's very modern now. Indeed. Any other audience questions? I do still have more from the um, the ones that were submitted. Oh, yo, plenty of questions here. I'm going to come over. Yay. All right. I'm going to run over this way. I might have you stand. All right. Um, so how about winter clothing? What kind of winter clothing? Um, coats and jackets. How often do you wash them? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, winter coats do need to be cleaned, absolutely. Um, especially because we live here in the city, right? Just like the street grime, the subway grime, just wearing these things, they do get grimy. Um, really, unless there has been a major uh, issue on the coat. I, a lot of people write to me about, um, f- my friend barfed on my, barf is a big thing in my line of work, as you, can, as you might imagine. Um, my friend barfed on my wool winter coat is one that I get often. Yeah. So <laughs> I know it's really sad. I'm <laughs> very sad for that coat. Um, barring a major event like a friend vomiting on your coat, uh, cleaning them once a year is fine. Wool coats um, should go to the dry cleaner. Most other winter coats, so your puffer vests, your down jackets, your parkas, your sleeping bag coats, right? Those are all machine washable. Machine washable. Throw them in cold water. They don't need a ton of detergent. One thing that people tend to think is more detergent will equal more clean. It actually will make it less clean because the detergent won't wash out. And then you'll have soap residue in your clothes. And I liken it to if someone handed you a glass that had visible suds on it, you'd be like, this glass isn't clean. It's the same way you can think about your your clothes that have laundry detergent residue in them. One other problem with laundry detergent residue, just as an aside also, um, is that it can cause skin irritation. So a lot of times people think like, oh, I'm allergic to that laundry detergent. You're probably not allergic to the laundry detergent. You're probably using too much of it and the residue is irritating your skin. Um, So back to your winter coats thing though. Once a year, end of the season, before you put them away for storage, Either wash them in the washing machine or send them out to the dry cleaner. Yeah. I love that you asked that question. Like, no one asked that question. And I always have to be like, yes, you have to clean your coats. Yes. (laughs) All right. We had a few others, so I'm going to come back around. So I have a a follow-up for the laundry detergent question, um, or just laundry in general. So I had an incident where I turned my white sheets pink. Is there any way to undo it? And how do I go about doing that? Yeah, there is. Uh, what, do you know what you put in there that turned them pink? I mean, obviously something red, but. Yeah, I think it was either top or probably one of my socks. Okay. The thing is, it's actually probably not the water temperature that did it. It's just that red dye. So the, the two worst dyes um, that go fugitive, which I love the term fugitive dye, right? So it's just insane. Um, Fugitive dye is the technical term in the in the laundry and dry cleaning uh, industry. There really is. I'm not making this up. Um, for for dye that runs. When you go home for Thanksgiving this year, by the way, that's like a 
great little thing. You, your parents are like, what'd you learn at Barnard? You'd be like, well, let me tell you about fugitive dye. Uh, <laughs> very, very impressed. Just wait till we get to the part about protein stains. Um, okay, so the two dyes that will go fugitive most often are reds and indigo. Indigo, you know, your genes basically, is a really, really, really tricky dye. It's like an outlier in the dye world in terms of getting out. Red is actually easier. So because you said they were white sheets, you can actually use chlorine bleach. I don't generally recommend chlorine bleach for most laundry stuff, but it is really good on reversing red fugitive dye and whites. So I would say go for that. The other thing that you can do is there's another kind of bleach called oxygen bleach. You usually see that under the brand name OxyClean, like Clorox OxyMagic is another one. Um, Oxygen bleach is chemically different from chlorine bleach and is safe to use on colors. It will reverse fugitive dye issues. If you put the sheets into hot water to, with a big scoop of the oxy to soak for like eight to 12 hours, overnight basically, and then you launder them. So that's one thing. But because they're white sheets, I would say just try the chlorine bleach right in the washing machine. It's just going to be easier um, than having to like soak sheets and then haul them down to the laundry room and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. We had I saw more hands. All right. I'm gonna come back around. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. myself cleaning my kitchen and bathroom with paper towels and all-purpose spray a lot and I feel like that's obviously not eco-friendly and there has to be a better way like do you use some kind of rag what's your go-to for just like counters and bathroom sinks okay. yeah that is great no it's not super eco-friendly to use um paper towels but I will say it is better to use the paper towels and the all-purpose spray than it is to use those um disinfecting wipes like the Clorox wipes or the Lysol wipes I I really those are those are great in some circumstances but those circumstances are very limited and I'm not a huge fan of those kinds of products so you're actually doing one better than um, the people who are using those wipes one of the other things that happens with those wipes is that they're not biodegradable because they're made um, with totally totally forgetting the term I I just wrote about this for the Times, too, so I should remember. Uh, but it got through edits, and it went all the way out of my head. Um, but it's basically ma made with um, some kind of chemical that doesn't that's not biodegradable. So the wipes, like, not only are very wasteful on their own, but they don't break down, and they cause all kinds of problems. However, if you want an alternative to paper towels, there are a couple of things that you can do. The first is that there are, believe it or not, reusable paper towels. They're usually made of bamboo. Uh, they, you, you, know, you, you use them until they're sort of at a point where you're saying, I don't want to use this anymore. And then you machine wash them. Um, that's one thing you can do. Another thing that you can do is there are um, microfiber 
reusable cloths that you can use about, I would say maybe you get 20 to 30 uses out of them before they kind of have to get pitched. Um, a company named Casabella makes those. Those are, those are quite good. But you can also just use a cleaning rag that you can get at the, they sell them at the Duanery, they sell them at the supermarkets. They're these kind of like thin blue and white uh, sort of chevrony. Like when you see them, you're gonna be like, oh, those things, I know those things, I never paid attention to them. Um, those are just cleaning rags and they're great because they're thin, so they're, they're great for just wiping down surfaces. You can probably use them a couple of times over and then store them in the wash. So yeah, that's, that's a great option. Um, but honestly, the, the paper towels and, uh, and all-purpose solution isn't, isn't bad. Yeah. All right, a few more. I still have some in my list, so I can read some if people, you have one, okay, great. I do, I like the audience questions better because I like hearing you guys. So this is a little relevant to me, not folks who live in the residence hall. Okay. I'm uh, one of the res life folks, so I have a very expensive white um, memory foam mattress that I obviously didn't protect with a mattress topper. Um, so I'm, I need to get a period stain out of it. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. I was like, oh gosh, I hope this is where I think it's going. And it wasn't. It was better. <laughs> I love it. Um, I actually, um, I just relaunched um, my general interest weekly cleaning advice column today with a question about a period stain on a leather couch. So I guess this is just like the day for period stains, which is great. And it's also great because I brought props uh, <laughs> for this one. Um, let us talk about blood. Hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is like the old school go-to for all kinds of blood stains, not just period blood. But um, one of the reasons that I brought this prop up that I really, really like this, I got this at the Duane Reed. You guys, I'm obsessed with the Duane Reed, by the way, if you haven't noticed. Um, I also love a hardware store. I saw that hardware store, oh my God, we did not have that when I was in school. Although we did have electors, and that was very, very satisfying. Um, Okay, so I brought this up because I wanted to show you guys that hydrogen peroxide comes in spray bottles. This is the Walgreens brand that, you know, Dwayne Reed, Walgreens owns Dwayne Reed, so that's why it is in there. Uh, the, having it come in the spray bottle is like such a game changer for stain removal, which I do not say lightly at all. Um, it also leads me into, um, Charlotte, will you toss me one of the empty spray bottles? Um, and so our little giveaway, um, so Charlotte is a very dedicated listener of my podcast <laughs> and she knows I love a spray bottle. Um, and so we decided for the giveaway that we would give away little spray bottles for you guys to use. These are amazing and I have a lot of little tricks that I can tell you about. But one of them is to say that it's a very handy thing to keep a cheap little spray bottle around because if you can't find the hydrogen peroxide with uh, the, the spray bottle trigger just comes in the, you know, the old kind of like, you know, nursing bottle, as I think of it. You can decant it into your spray bottle and then make yourself your own little trigger. Um, that's also true of my other prop that I have. That's also true of rubbing alcohol, my other, one of my other favorite stain removers. 
Um, so this is again one that I you know bought in a trigger. Um, but if you just have a bottle of rubbing alcohol and you want to decant it in to your bottle for stain remover, it just really does make things easier than either dumping the product directly onto the stain, which is not great, especially when we talk about memory foam mattresses, because you don't want to saturate a mattress with any kind of liquid. It will just take forever to dry, and then you run into issues around mildew developing in it, and that's a whole other thing we got to talk about. Um, so if you've got the spray bottle, you can spray a small amount of hydrogen peroxide. You can really control how much you're putting onto a stain, whether it's a mattress or a pillow or a you know, beloved item of clothing or you know crime scene. Uh, I'm not judging. I'm sure you were justified in doing it. Um, so with the hydrogen peroxide, you'll spray a little bit onto that blood stain, and you'll see it start to kind of lighten up. Then what you want to do when you're talking about a mattress, which you know you can't you can't pick up and flush with water, you can't pick up and put it into uh, the washing machine, unfortunately, is you want to get just a, a rag. Uh, again, we're back to our rags, um, and get it get it wet, just damp, not wet. Um, so get it wet and wring it out a few times, and then scrub over the. Um, the hydrogen peroxide so that you're working the hydrogen peroxide in you're at you're introducing a bit of water and you're introducing some agitation and it may take a little bit of time for it to come out but it will come out um, with some patience a few other things uh, to mention about blood stain so if blood is a protein stain my favorite kind of stain in all of the lands and all of the seas a good rule of thumb to remember it's not true of every single fluid but generally speaking if it comes out of you it is protein stain so my old friend vomit certainly falls into that blood also falls into that uh, when you're handling any kind of protein stain, an enzymatic cleaning product is going to be excellent for removing that because the enzymes will reverse the protein stains. Couple of funny things also. <laughs> this is, I'm, Charlotte knows all of this already. So before I tell you, I'll give you the name of a few really good enzymatic cleaners. Um, there's one called Zout, Z-O-U-T. That's a laundry stain pretreatment, like, you know, shout or spray and wash. Uh, Zout is very good and heavily enzymatic. There's another one called Crud Cutter Sports Stain Remover. Crud Cutter is spelled with a K, which is somehow hilarious to me. Uh, Crud Cutter Sports Stain Remover does not exactly roll off the tongue, so I lovingly refer to it as KKSSR. KKSSR is excellent stuff. It is very, very good on blood stains. Uh, I recently ran out of my bottle, um, but until I did run out of it, I used that was actually what I was mostly using. Um, and sometimes I'd switch off and use the hydrogen peroxide for blood, but those are very good. A few bizarre things that will take blood stains out, and this goes back to our, our protein and enzyme thing. Your saliva will take blood stains out. Now that's not really gonna work if you have murdered someone and need to clean up a lot of blood. It will work, however, if you get a small cut and it gets on the, say, sleeve of your white button down. Or if you get a blister that bleeds through to your really, really cute hot pink tights, right? Saliva will work for that. The reason that it works is that your saliva is full of enzymes that break down proteins. If you think about the function of saliva uh, in terms of breaking down food, like I always say, like it, it'll break down a steak, right? And a steak is bloody. Therefore, 
it'll take out blood stains, right? Um, that is that kind of explanation is probably the reason why I should have taken some chemistry classes when I was at Barnard and why I kick myself for not having done so. Um, but that really, a lot of, a lot of cleaning is chemistry. Um, and so if you start to think about, you know, the, the interactions that things have, proteins and enzymes. One last one that's super weird, um, and also particularly great for mattresses, um, is unseasoned meat tenderizer. Works for the same reason. Meat tenderizer uh, is intended to break down meat. Meat is protein. Therefore, it will break down a protein stain. You do want to make sure you get the unseasoned kind. The seasoned kind is bright yellow and will cause a whole other kind of stain. Uh, the unseasoned stuff is what my mom is horrified right now. Mommy, I'm sorry. I, I, know, I know this was not what you intended for me when you sent me to Barnard. But I love my job, and I'm good at it, so, you know, we're off for meat. Um, so, yeah, unseasoned meat tenderizer, what you're going to do with it is you're going to mix it with a little bit of water to make a paste. That's one of the reasons why it's so particularly great for mattresses, because you can control the amount of water that you're putting in and make a relatively thick paste so that you're not saturating and soaking the mattress with it. Once you've made your little paste, you can just like spoon it right onto the blood stain, let it sit there probably for a couple of hours. What it's going to do, it's going to penetrate. I mean, it's basically, it's meat tenderizing your, your blood stains, right? Um, so it's going <laughs> to penetrate and break them down. And then you can go in and just kind of, again, wipe it away. Uh, use your damp cloth and kind of scrub at it with some water and you should be good to go. Um, the washcloth brings me to another uh, prop that I brought. This is a problem that I have all the time um, and I mean, imagine that most of you do too. So I'm going to do a little demo. Here's what it is. I wear um, a lot of black clothing because, oh yeah, thank you Charlotte. Because uh, I went to Barnard, and I don't know, we we wore black. That was like the thing, right? Was, you guys are all in lovely colors now. I don't know what's happened here. Um, I guess the, the students don't have as much ennui as we did in the '90s. It was a it was a very fraught time in the '90s. Not that it's not fraught now. Anyway, so I have some deodorant. I get deodorant stains, skid mark, deodorant skid marks on my clothes all the time because I'm like, you know, pulling my my favorite black shirt over or my dress over. Uh, and you get those little skid marks like that, right? Yeah, of course. The easiest way to get rid of them is with a washcloth. I love a washcloth. These make me so happy. Um, I use them all the time for like the scrubbing of stains um, as my, you know, my cloth. It's just like, it's the right size. Because if you use something bigger, then you're like flopping a towel all around and there's water going everywhere. Very, very convenient little size. Um, so if I had a sink in here, I would be doing this at the sink, but I don't, so I'm going to just put some water on it. Um, I would just run just like a corner of the washcloth uh, under the tap, and then I would squeeze it out. Again, so damp, not wet, right? And I'd squeeze it out in here so that I wouldn't soak the floor, but you can see. Uh, and then just lightly rub the stain, and it's done. That's all. That's how you get rid of deodorant stains. Just a damp cloth. That's literally it. Yes. Oh wait, we have another. I see we have another question. Um, no. Yes. yes. I was also about to get to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> was it excited or? It was both. It was both. Thank you. 
Um, so I have a lot of like cashmere sweaters um, that I wear in the winter and they all say hand wash and lay flat to dry, but I don't have anywhere to lay f them flat other than my bed. Yeah. Do you have suggestions? Just did a podcast episode about that that came out today, um, so you can you can go listen to it. I did, one of my friends um, is a comedian, and he also is. I, I grew up in in Boston, um, and my friend Josh is from the Boston area, and he loves sweaters. And I had him come on so that we could do like basically a whole episode of us just saying sweater weather. Uh, <laughs> it was it was funny. Uh, it worked for us. Um, okay, I have two suggestions for you. Uh, the first is if the, the, e the path of least resistance is to just put a towel down and then lay the sweater flat. So then it's not going to soak your bed, right? Presumably you've gotten enough water out of it. Um, actually, you know what? One thing, even before you get to the lay flat part, um, one of my favorite tricks with um, anything that you hand wash is when I t take them out, you know, I press all as much water out as I can get. I lay it flat on a towel and roll it up like a jelly roll. And that, that actually extrudes like a ton of water. Um, and then I just take the towel and lay the thing flat. But there also are sweater drying racks that fold flat. And you could get one of those. I think it's, um, it's that OXO brand makes them. Um, and what they are, they have kind of like little peg legs and they have a, a basically a flat mesh surface. And they fold flat so you could just slide it under your bed um, or, you know, in the side of... Do you guys still have the wardrobe style closets? Are those like the... No. <laughs> I can't even... The dorms must be like palaces now, right, compared to what I remember them being. Uh, no, probably not. Um, Anyway, so what, what they do, they have, you know, pr fairly short legs, so they don't take up a lot of space. And you could actually just put that right on your bed. Um, but it elevates the sweater, um, and because it's mesh, it will, it will dry 360, so it'll just dry a lot faster. So that may work for you. Um, I also have to say, I am wildly impressed that you're hand-washing cashmere in college. I was definitely not doing that. Definitely not. But to, to tell her she's a woman after my own heart. I'm going to come come around. Okay, I submitted this over the form too, but I'll, if you okay. prefer yeah. in person, I'm being bold, partner bold. Um, <laughs> so I just want to know, like, are loofahs disgusting? And because, like, I use washcloths, but sometimes a like, loofah is nice, yeah. like sudsy, and it's just a thing that hangs out in your shower, and I don't, are you supposed to clean loofahs, or you just throw them out every once in a while? It seems wasteful, but, like, are there alternatives? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they're gross. They're totally gross. Uh, it is the thing. Um, completely and totally revolting. A couple of years ago, someone asked me um, if it was gross to share a loofah. Like the, like the whole family was like using one shower poof. And I was like, yeah, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. No, I try not to be judgmental, but yeah, that's gross. Just, yeah. Going to lay out judgment on that one. Um, all right. So I took some, uh, some notes on this one. Uh, I don't even think I really need them, but I want to make sure that I get everything. Um, there are, yes, this was the main thing I want to say. There are kind of two different things that we talk about when we say loofah. A lot of people use the word loofah to describe those colorful poofs. L actual loofahs are natural sponges, and they can be cleaned differently from how those poofs are. Are you talking about the poof, right? 
Okay. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll talk about both. Um, but it is an important distinction because the poofs, those, those netty, colorful netty things that we, that we have that has the rope on them that you hang off your shower handle, um, those are made of polyester mesh. You can wash them in the washing machine, but you cannot put them in the dryer. Yeah, they'll melt in the dryer. But you can wash them in the washing machine with hot water. Because it can withstand the heat of hot water. Uh, it's just the dryer is no bueno. With loofahs, if they are not overly rough, you can certainly put them in the washing machine and just let them air. I mean, they're sponges. You just squeeze them out and let them air dry. You don't need to, don't need to put them in the dryer. Um, but you do want to be mindful of what else you're putting in the wash with them because they themselves are, are rough and can, can rough up your clothes. Uh, so you want to think about that. If you don't want to put them in the washing machine, you can boil them. Yeah, boil them. Consider the loofah. Yes. Um, the poofs cannot be boiled for the same reason that they can't go into the dryer. Um, but they can absolutely go into the washing machine. And you don't really have to worry about what else you're washing with them because they're so kind of, they're, I don't know. They're, they're harm, harmless, essentially. Uh, however, yes, they are completely and totally disgusting. And yes, you do need to wash them. Um, the rule, you guys are actually going to be shocked by this. Every two to four weeks, you're supposed to be washing them. And the reason for that is, is that not only are you using them to slough dead skin and body oils off of yourself, but you're putting soap into them. And then you are leaving them to live in a very moist environment. Bacteria like mold and mildew needs three things to thrive. It needs food, it needs water, and it needs a, a dark, damp environment. The food is your soap and your skin. Yes, indeed. The water is all of that water that's lingering in there after you've used it. And obviously, the damp, moist environment is just your bathroom. So when those poofs just hang out in there, they are just becoming a breeding ground for all kinds of bacteria. Um, and that sounds like you're like, well, I've been using the thing and I'm fine. You are fine. And that's, you know, look, you haven't died yet. Um, but <laughs> if you end up with a bacteria-ridden poof and you have, say, an open cut somewhere and that bacteria gets in there, the result can be, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating for effect here, the result can be that you can end up with like a staph infection. So you do want to be pretty careful. Also, it's just like gross. Yeah, dead skin, dead skin. So yeah, it was a great question. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, the thing is also, you don't need to throw them out because that, you know, then, then we go back into the, the, the paper towels and the wastefulness and, and so on. And look, they're not that expensive to replace. But on the other hand, if they cost what, let's say they, let's say a shower proof costs $5 and you're throwing it out every, what, two, two months, you know, I mean, you, you could buy something cool that's not a new shower puff with the money that you save in a year. Um, I'm not going to do that math in my head because as we established when we were doing the warm-up, not a math genius over here, uh, but actually I'm a math genius. Um, 
All right, let's see how we are doing on time. We have um, probably about 10 or 15 more minutes, yeah? Um, did we have a few more questions from the cards? Or did everyone just get bold, Barnard Bold? I loved that, by the way, Barnard Bold. Should they should like name the hue of blue Barnard Bold? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes. Um, you mentioned rubbing alcohol, but what is that good for? Oh, Why I should I get it? That is a very good question. Thank you. Uh, rubbing alcohol is great on like kind of almost every stain, um, which is a very helpful answer. I know. Uh, I'm going to give you some specifics. Rubbing alcohol, great on ink great on ink. I know that for the most part, we have moved to a post-ink world in theory, except I'm looking out at the crowd and you guys have all got pens and you're scribbling little notes. And so it's great on ink. Um, if you get ink on your clothes, if you get some on, you know, your, your comforter because you're, you know, hi highlighting a textbook in bed, um, which is where I did all of my highlighting. <laughs> uh, and so I actually still do. Um, it's great for that. It's also really great on a lot of food stains. Um, it's great on like hot sauce stains. It's great on um, little tomato stains. It's, it's better on like the little ones. And then that leads me into this next thing, which is that hand sanitizer is an excellent stain remover. And the reason for that is that it has a high concentration of alcohol in it. I mentioned that because most people, what? Let's see. It's going to tell me that the Red Sox game is on. I promise. <laughs> oh, no. A new episode of Real Housewives of Orange County is now on Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> That's not embarrassing at all. Um, I, I use my giant Barnard brain to watch Housewives. This is my dirty secret. Um, uh, hand sanitizer is great stain remover, and it's great because most of us have it on hand, or if we don't have it on hand, someone around us has it. Uh, so very, very great little stain remover on the fly. And basically what you'll do with hand sand, if you have the, the gel kind, is you put like a, a small blurb um, in between your fingers and kind of massage it into, into a stain like, like such. I'm, I'm doing my little charades now. Um, so yeah, rubbing alcohol, great, love it. And it's cheap and it's easy to find. Oh, the other thing to mention about rubbing alcohol, because this is definitely relevant, um, I'm looking at that filthy tablet. Uh, <laughs> it's great for cleaning screens. Um, and there are, um, you know, again, at the, at the Duane Reed, at the, at the drugstore, you can get alcohol prep pads. Those are the little pre-moistened pads. Those are excellent because you can just stash a few. They're individually wrapped. You can just stash a few in, you know, your laptop bag, your book bag, your handbag, whatever it is, your backpack, whatever it is, um, and then you've got them, you can definitely use those for stain removal, just like a shout wipe, um, which also I'll say I love a shout wipe. I think shout wipes are amazing. Um, but they're also excellent for quickly wiping off your um, cell phone screen, a tablet screen. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're really, really handy little things to have around. And again, they're cheap. You can get a box of like, 200 for four dollars uh and then you can hand them out to all your friends and be like you know the most popular girl in school <laughs> i'm the girl with the prep pads yay all right we have one more question um, oh and i'm supposed to say something for you yes too. you are yeah. um so these uh kind of glass dry erase boards let's say somebody writes on them with a sharpie instead of using a dry erase uh, marker. Yeah. Is there any way to get the Sharpie off? Um, 
Yeah, because they're glass. Uh, glass cleaner should do it, actually. Just Windex should do it. Yeah. Um, if not, um, a magic eraser may do it. Do you guys want me to tell you what magic erasers are? Or do you want to go on believing that they're made of magic? I choose to believe they're made of magic, despite the fact that I know otherwise. They're made of magic. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Um, I had a thing I have to say for Liz, which is this. We were looking for some volunteers for a little story that we want to do for the Barnard Magazine. Uh, <laughs> we, we, the idea, it's loose. It's loose. Don't be scared. Um, the idea is that we're looking for four volunteers who will uh, let me come into your dorm room and uh, do a little assessment of cleaning and maybe some uh, help that I could offer if you've got like a, a bad stain or a bad mess. Uh, we, I have, you guys, I have not even talked to you about bed making. Um, <laughs> I made my day every, my bed every single day at Barnard. I sure did. Yes, I did. Um, so we're looking for volunteers. We have copies of my book that we will give away uh, if you want to volunteer and I will sign them for you if you would like that or not. Uh, so we want four people. I will let you all marinate with that for a minute and maybe take one more question and then we'll see if we have some volunteers. Oh good, excellent. Okay, so this was a last minute addition to the online form and it's it seems it seems very applicable. Okay, so this is a question about a past living situation, but I feel it may be relevant to all the poor innocent freshmen out there. So this was my freshman year quad mate. This is not me. This is I'm reading the question just FYI, not actually <laughs> happening to me. Um, but I will read it in the first person, like the person asked. Um, this this person lived in absolute filth, which was strange because she seemed super put together all the time. But here's the lowdown. She ate hard-boiled eggs and stored them in her mini-fridge, but when she peeled them, she legit left yolk and eggshells on the floor where they remained crushed to the floor. She also used to leave empty cups of yogurt on the radiators all year. So inevitably, towards the end of the year, the entire room smelled like flatulence and despair from the rotting yogurt. She also used to take off her contact lenses and just flick them onto the floor where they melted. So my question, really the statement, is how do you approach a mess of epic proportions and clean it up by the end of the year, especially if you're all college students who are all inclined to ignore a gross living situation until the prospect of a res life cleaning call calls you to action? Um, also, what do you do if your room smells like flatulence? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a lot to process. I mean, look, I. You guys heard about the bathtub. Obviously, like, I've, in a way, been there, right? We all just, like, ignored it until good old type A Allison pre-med was like, this is enough, and I'm cleaning this. Um, gosh, man, that is a lot to unpack. Um, wow. And I really hate eggs, so that's, like, that's like incredibly personally triggering for me. Um, yeah, the flatulence, I would say the osium is actually probably the, um, the, the path of least resistance in eliminating the smell. The, man, I mean, I don't, I don't want to tell anyone that, like, you got to go cleaning up other people's messes, but, like, would it have been that hard to throw the cartons of yogurt away on her behalf when it was clear that she wasn't going to do it? Like, just out of a sense of self-preservation. Um, yeah, I think that there's, like, there's a there's a point at which you have to weigh the benefit of digging your heels in versus just doing it. Um, 
which actually I'm going to pardon this language, but like this is a really good little thing that I want to say to you. One of my favorite motivational tools is JFDI, just fucking do it. Um, when there are things that you've been putting off and putting off and putting off, there, there comes a point at which sometimes you have to just tell yourself, you know what, JFDI, and get it done. And I feel like in this, in this situation, just taking charge and throwing the cartons away, even though they weren't yours, is a JFDI, just do it kind of thing. The Ozium would take the smell off. I mean, contact lenses melted to to a floor is a one that I have not heard before. I am. I don't often get unique questions. This is unique. Um, the eggshells is wild to me. Like, man. I. I mean, I. I would know how to clean it, but just like. I can't even fathom living with that. I think I think I would have got when well, we've got people from Res Res Life here, and so I actually would love to get your thoughts on this. I think that that's actually a situation where probably you should have gone to your RA or when when this started becoming a persistent problem. Um, one because that's disgusting, and you shouldn't have to live with it like that. But two. That kind of behavior, especially with the description of the, that she looked so put together externally, that kind of private behavior sometimes can be a signal that something is going wrong um, mental health-wise. Um, it may be a cry for help kind of thing. And so going and getting a little external advice um, not only could help you in that situation, but also may end up helping your roommate who may be in crisis. And it's just being demonstrated um, through these kinds of acts of aggression and and almost it's almost a little bit of self harm too to be living this way. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot and um, have you <laughs> have you speak to that a little bit. Um, full disclosure, not speaking on behalf of Barnard Res Life. Okay. I just started yes. a new role. Um, Love you all, ladies, but unfortunately, this is my last Barnard event. But with a lot of res life experience, I will say um, that's definitely something that we would want folks to be bringing to our attention, um, both for the sake of whatever your roommate might be experiencing, but also for your own personal comfort. Um, so we always say the RA is a really great point of contact, and you can go to the RA before the RA has to necessarily intervene. So that's a resource of somebody that you can just bounce ideas off of and touch base with to say like, hey, I'm experiencing this in my space and I want to advocate for myself and I want to know how to communicate about something like this. So how would you go about it? What advice do you have? What support is in place if I need to take it a step further? So they're a sounding board even before they need to necessarily intervene or have any type of um uh, outreach to your roommate so use them please that's why they're there um, I would also say that's really gross <laughs> and I I hope that you all feel empowered to um, just like take ownership over your experience and your space to say um, this isn't something I'm comfortable living living with or living in and so um, sometimes it Okay, if I can tell a random story, I try. I have a friend who's a behavior analyst, and I was once living with a roommate who didn't put the toilet paper back on the toilet roll, 
and it didn't bother me that much but I really just didn't understand why she didn't do it because she would put it on top of the empty roll so my friend the behavior analyst put me on this thing of every time that the roll is there even if it's already been used put it back underneath the cabinet and only leave it out if she puts it on the roll so (laughs) so it's this like psychological thing so you could go about it that way and and only clean up things if if you see oh she's cleaned one thing and now I'm gonna help clean the rest and she'll see it's a clean space now she puts a little bit of effort in or they put in a little bit of effort in but um, I don't recommend that approach (laughs) I say talk to them as soon as possible and um, advocate for what you think is appropriate for the health and wellness of everyone involved Yeah, I mean, look, that's a that's obviously a pretty extreme case, and I'm and I'm glad it came up because I think that it is important to acknowledge that, um, you know, especially when you're talking about college and for you know for most people, uh, it's first time away from home, um, people can spiral really easily. Um, it is always good to take a step back, um, even when the behavior is so negatively impacting you to take a step back and consider that there might be something deeper going on um, and seeking help. And you know, one of the things about college um, is that you don't wanna, you don't wanna foist all your problems off on an RA and make them solve them. Conflict resolution is an important skill that you learn here. Um, but also seeking help and seeking an outside perspective on a situation that might appear very black and white to you, like, <laughs> there are eggshells on my floor. <laughs> it's like, and that's unacceptable. It's very black and white. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that that seeking help is a good thing to do. Um, are there any more questions before we start to wrap up? No. Did anyone want to volunteer for? Yes, it's not. It's not tonight. You can pre-clean. <laughs> before I get there. Um, if you are interested, why don't we have people um, email lists? Do you want to tell them? What? Yeah, yeah. Um, or you can email me, joliecare at gmail.com. Uh, my email is everywhere. You can find it everywhere. Uh, you, can, you can tweet at me and be like, Jolie, come to my dorm room. You can volunteer your friends. Um, but you know, if you, like, if you live in a suite and you're kind of like, I don't know, my roommates might freak out and like, you want to go back. Like, if, if you live in 600 with a claw foot bathtub, um, and you want to go back and be like, hey, guys, like, we could have this very strange lady uh, <laughs> who really likes to talk about bloodstains um, come and, and, like, you know, cl- clean our dorm room and, like, answer our questions and laugh with us. That, that actually probably would be the ideal as a suite. So throwing that out there. Um, and I just want to say thank you guys so, so, so much for having me. This has been absolutely a joy for me. It is such an honor to be back at school in an actual professional capacity. Uh, <laughs> it's also, you know, as I said, really um, just a, an incredible um, personal and professional accomplishment to be here 20 years after I graduated, to have my parents here, uh, and now to be the New York Times lady who comes back to Barnard to talk about stuff. Um, And I'll tell you, I did a much better job than that other lady did, because she wasn't very nice at all. Um, so with that, thank you so much. If you guys want to find me, um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jolie Care. My podcast is called Ask a Clean Person. Um, and if you Google Jolie Care, you'll find, you know, my Times articles and my columns and such. So thank you so much for having me.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 